Hi, and welcome to episode 174 of No Crying in Baseball, the You Make My Heart Sing episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Happy Valentine's Day, Potty Mouth. Happy Valentine's Day. I do have this urge to break into song with that, but you can break into song whenever you want, or you can do it later when it comes up naturally on our conversation. It will, I promise. All right. I will try. I will try. Okay. Wow. How's your Valentine's Day? So far, so not much going on. I was lucky enough having my my teacher status to get my first vaccine yesterday, and it was very exciting. But yes, it took all day because of long lines, and I thought I was fine, and I woke up with like a really sore arm. So pointer um, for those of you who are going to be getting, you'll, everyone hopefully will get one at some point. So when your time comes, get it in your non-dominant arm. I was not thinking because I had like a drive-through situation and I was on the passenger side. So they opened my door and gave me a shot. And then this morning I was like, I can't do anything with my right hand. So that's a good tip. Look at you with the pro tips. There we go. So you see, you learned something already from listening to our show. We are full of information and smarts. <laughs> Absolutely. So is your Valentine's Day going to get better from, you know, waking up with a sore arm? I hope so, because that's really a very low bar to beat. You gotta be able to, I mean, I would imagine you've already beaten that because now you are here with me drinking beer and talking about baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, it's gotten much better because, yeah, I woke up and then I felt like crap and I took a nap. But Mr. Potty Mouth had the sweetest idea of watching Fever Pitch tonight for for Valentine's Day, which I just thought was adorable. Like, he oh, knows me. Yeah. Oh, that's every so. that checks off all the right boxes. That's it totally very does. sweet. That's very sweet. Well, I'm thinking about my late husband. I'm wearing a jersey from the um, from Cooperstown that that we got when we were there on our honeymoon. Oh, so I figured that's right. And then my kids sent me flowers. That's amazing. Which is so sweet. I mean, this college student is like, is like sending flowers to the mom. And it's, it's really, it made me so happy. It made me so happy. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to raise my glass to both of them. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, on today's show, Major League Baseball ups their harassment policy and then messes with their fan base about social media, which doesn't seem like a good way to engage and grow the game. Because we're all about the business, we're going to tell you about the, the new health and safety protocols in place for this season. Let's see if it works better than last season. We've got boyfriends for the White Sox and the Cardinals. We've got a very concentrated region for this one. And as always, we've got some international ball. So first, how do I always get the business stuff? You know, I always get like the business <laughs> things. I've noticed this. Yeah, well, that's because you're kind of drawn to the lo you, their logical ex need to be explained clearly kind of things. I think that's how it goes. Oh, I just, yeah. wow. That's like, <laughs> wow. I, I feel so boring. I feel so boring. No, no, no. I was going for the intelligence and the, you know, the just all oh, together. thank you. Thank to you, get, boy. Yeah. You saved that. You saved that. I was thinking, wow, I got to do all the dry stuff. Okay. No. Hey, so, you know, we talked last week about Mickey Calloway and the week or two before that about Jared Porter and all of this harassment finally being reported, finally being spoken out about in Major League Baseball. So, MLB actually updated their harassment policy. And it's interesting. So during spring training, the guys on the roster, the players, get regular um, workshops and presentations about preventing domestic abuse and what constitutes discrimination and harassment, and all these things. I mean, they they mm. get those those workplace trainings that you that you and I probably probably have gotten a million times already. Right. Finally, that's being expanded to include front office executives. Hmm. Wow. So it's not just the players. It's being expanded, right? So now other people who work in baseball, who seem to be the ones who are getting called out on this, right, yep. are now going to have to have this training and this, you know, sort of baseline things. In addition, MLB is trying to make it, make reporting harassment and discrimination and poor behavior, make it easier to report. So, you know, because we live in 1982, they're posting flyers about this, but I think they're probably also sharing the information in other ways, including here's who you can talk to if you don't feel comfortable or talking to the person who is doing this doesn't solve the problem. Here's the next layer. And in addition, they started an anonymous hotline, That's which important. is brilliant. Because as we've said before, a lot of the women who have held back pursuing this are afraid for their jobs. Yeah. Right. But if there was an anonymous way to say, hey, look at this guy, this thing is happening, that might 
really help open the doors to this. So I'm, I'm feeling like it's it's baby steps, but it's baby steps in the right direction, you know, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. They are moving the right way. They are acting on what's been happening. They are, they are learning from recent events and they're trying to move to a better place. And so, okay. Yeah. They just need, you know, an adequate enforcement policy to go with their harassment policy because we've seen that for years with policies in, in effect, theoretically, but then when it comes into. Well, although, you know, MLB has suspended players, even if Mm -hmm. the, you know, if like the legal discrimination accusations have been dropped, right? If it doesn't proceed through the courts, MLB will still suspend you if they believe that if they if they have found you guilty through yeah. their own investigation. So that's also baby steps, but in the right direction. Right. I guess then it's more of detecting it in time before yeah. it yeah. goes on so much. You know, I'm wondering if they need something like we have with school and being mandated reporters. You know, if you if you hear about something, then you have oh. to report. Otherwise, you know, if we find out later that you knew, then you can be held liable. So that might help. That's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. Can we get you a job in the in in MLB? I wish. I in the wish. commissioner's. I know. I know you want to be like an English teacher for a team, but I kind of think there's a place for you in the commissioner's office. Hey, that sounds pretty cool. I don't know. I guess they have something to learn from public school teachers. How about that? There's a lot <laughs> to learn from public school teachers. They have a lot to learn. I don't. I just feel like these days we're just hearing so much of how they're disenfranchising fans. You know that. The stuff with the minors is pretty gross that the renaming of the leagues taking away their old historical names and now that they're totally, you know, divided and and categorized. And then the other thing that they did this week that jumped out at me, thanks to our friend Sarah Sanchez from Bleed Cubby Blue, was an article about firing social media people. This happened just yesterday or the day before. And I guess it it varies from club to club as to whether the social media person is club employed or MLB employed, but a bunch of like the really popular folks on social media were actually MLB employed and just cross the board, they were all canned without much explanation. Is that because baseball is poor now? I hear they're poor. I don't, I don't understand what the reason wow. was. I have no idea. I don't know. You know, and, it, and it's a lot of like the Marlins uh, Twitter person. These are so important for fan interactions. And it was sort of like, you know, the face of the franchise on social media. And there was so much fun with bantering back and forth between different, you know, between different teams on different things. So I don't get it. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, once again, you know, you've got we're going to grow the game on one Mm -hmm. hand and then all evidence to the contrary on the other. Yeah. Hi, we're going to cut off our fans in order to make them love baseball more. Right. So I don't know, you know, between the minors being like less, you know, being brought really further away from their fan base, social media further away from the fan base, something's got to change here. Well, how about health and safety protocols? Because, you know, we don't have fans there yet either, but that's probably a good (laughs) thing. That's probably a good thing. So MLB, the league and the Players Association, the union have agreed on health and safety protocols for the coming season. And it put some teeth into last year's protocols. So remember last year, you know, if somebody would see somebody in a restaurant and then they get like sent down to the, you know, alternate training site and who knows what's going to happen. And it, it was all very fuzzy yeah. and it was rumor and it was not, not clear cut. It was not clear cut because we were new at this. Well, we're not new at this anymore. So there's actually some pretty clear cut, serious, not a lot of wiggle room protocols this year. One of them is players will have to wear sensors like NBA and NFL players have been wearing to sort of measure social distancing and contact tracing. Wow. I think this kind of works like the like the COVID apps that you download for your phone that sort of like registers if you have been near somebody who then later tests positive, you know, keeps the keeps it private who, who it was. But you get notified that you were in contact for too long or for long enough with someone who tested positive. So they've got to do this now. There is now a very clear delineation of what the discipline is if you violate protocols. So that it includes fine, warnings, fines, suspension of, you know, they, you can't play. So there's, there, it's, it's, it's very clearly laid out. 
Um, the other duties is assigned open-ended part is if you really screw up and you, you've already moved through all of the earlier ones. Um, for, as far as spring training is concerned, all the players and their families have a mandatory five-day home quarantine before they report to spring training. They need a COVID test within a week prior to when they travel to spring training. And then they have their the intake screening once they arrive, like they did last year. You know, they do the, the COVID test. They do the temperature check. They do those things once they arrive. They will continue with the every other day testing like they did last mm-hmm. year. And they're going to add weekly testing for members of the players' households for the people that they live with, which I think wow. is an awfully good idea. Yeah. Here's the thing they didn't really necessarily spell out last time. Now they say no dining indoors at restaurants at bars, no going to gatherings of more than 10 people, no going to bowling alleys or, you know, entertainment venues or any of those things. And, you know, now they know because basically you're wearing, you're wearing an ankle bracelet, right? I mean, you, you know, that's what I was wondering. Wow. Right. When you're on the road, no leaving the hotel except for super minor exceptions, you know, unless you're with the team doing team things like going to the game or to practice or whatever you can Within walking distance of the hotel, go pick up food or eat outside under like very strict, you, but no, like going to restaurants to eat inside or any of those things. Wow. Hotels are, are required, which I think may, they may have to last year as well, to provide a dining room that's only for the, the players who are there for, okay, on their road great. trip. Yeah. As far as the regular season, there's a whole list of things that I'm not going to mess with, but there is a mask requirement. Um, when you're in the clubhouse, the dugout and the bullpen. And if you are not wearing your mask or you're wearing it improperly, warning, fine, suspension, boom, 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 not messing around. The dugout was a big issue last year because they said they were going to do one thing, but I saw so much, you know, not paying attention to that. So monitoring that is key. Right, right. And now there's enforcement. So now it's not only you've got to have a mask on, but you have to be wearing it properly. And we've got our eyes on you. If you don't do it right, here are the things that are going to happen That's to good. you. The league is keeping open the option to um, use neutral sites during the season if it has, if they have to for health reasons. Okay. You know, wh- whether it's a bubble situation or regional things, they, they just want to keep that option open in case they need to. So there's also rules about play that were similar to last year, like the seven inning doubleheaders are staying, the, the runner on second and extra innings is staying. So some of those things are staying from the year before to, con- again, those things shorten the games, limit contact. I believe the earlier spring training games will be a little bit shorter. They won't be nine inning games. So it's clearer, I think. It's more spelled out. They have learned both on the league and the, and the player side from last year. And I think this is a better policy and it's much cleaner. And I hope it works and keeps everybody safe and healthy, please. That would be nice. That would be really nice. And I'm hoping that, you know, by summertime, people are going to be vaccinated more, you know, by midsummer. I hope. I hope. I don't know. Yeah. So some stuff moving around. Not going to go into any of the the trades so much this week, except for one that affects me because of our, our baseball boyfriend stuff. So we're about to talk about our boys, baseball boyfriends for this week. The guys that we each choose one per team because there's something cool about them. And for my Royals guy, I chose Frenchie Cordero, especially because of his Padres connections. And he's just such a super guy and he's been traded from the Royals. So what we've done in the past is when a fantasy, when one of our baseball boyfriends gets traded from a team, sometimes we could get the the one that they got swapped for. But it's Andrew Benintendi who's going from the Red Sox to the Royals. And you had Benny as your baseball boyfriend a couple of years ago, so I can't pick him. So I think I'm in a little bit of Royals limbo right now. I mean, I guess we'll we'll see what happens when we do our fantasy leagues and if I'm in need of another player. And maybe I could look at the Royals, but right now I think I'm just shit out of luck. You might be, you might be. Yeah. And the the other thing that we've done before is if the guy you pick for one team goes to another team and we haven't picked boyfriends there yet, you just use him, but we did Red Sox way earlier than you would have liked. So (laughs) that, that, that's signed, sealed and delivered already. 
Yeah. You know, on a, on a side note, I, I think it's a really good trade. I mean, I loved Ben. I love Benintendi. He's, you know, the, has had some amazing moments with the Red Sox, but he had a very disappointing 2019 and then a big injured 2020. Frenchie Cordero, like what I spoke about before when I chose him, was that he has been injured more than not basically every year. So there's there's a huge, you know, it, what he's capable of. But he's been really held back. And I think for both of them, a fresh start is a good thing. Like if you've been plagued by injuries and expectations are kind of wonky, I think a new place with people hoping the best for you is a good thing. So I honestly wish the best to both of them. I, I like it. I think that the Red Sox needed a change, you know, especially after losing Mookie Betts. The whole outfield's got to be re- rehabbed. I'm not too happy about <clears throat> one of them, Verdugo, but. You know, whatever. We'll see. Right. The Red Sox aren't going to go anywhere this year, so I don't have to feel guilty about <laughs> wishing them well or not. So, Ouch. yeah. Well, but I'm I'm wishing Franchi well. You know, I I yeah. am excited to. You know, I'm going to still watch their games and and, and that's. That's one of the things I really like about picking boyfriends on teams. Like, even if you really mm-hmm. don't like the team or really do like, you know, for whatever reason. You've always got a guy that you're interested in, that you care about, that makes that watching that game interesting to you. Yeah, and it forced us to do a nice to the Yankees week last week. Sure. So go, go sure. back and listen to that if you haven't heard it already. This week, however, we are going to the White Sox and the Cardinals. And my theme for this week, two shocking picks. These guys, I know that you haven't heard of them before. I'm going to break this open. <laughs> I went low key this week. This is huge <laughs> sarcasm, folks. But they both have Cuban connections. So for my White Sox pick, I'm going to go with last year's MVP, Jose Abreu. First, wait first a minute. Pick. No, who's that guy? I've never heard of him before. I, yeah, I know he's one of the more obscure White Sox. And it's funny because last year we both picked like uh, White Sox incoming prospects who ended up doing really well. But you know, it was definitely they weren't common names when we first started talking to them. Talking to them, that'd be nice. Talking about them. Jose Abreu, however, has definitely become, I don't know, I think he's pretty close to face of the franchise at this point for the White Sox first base. Arm wrestling with Tim Anderson for that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. They're both wonderful. I, you yeah, know, those two faces together are beautiful. Uh, he came from my Cuban team. So you I always look for some sort of personal connection, as especially as an excuse to pick these like blockbuster guys. So he played for the Elefantes de Cienfuegos in Cuba, which was the team that I totally randomly picked because I like elephants. And he's from Cienfuegos. He grew up struggling. As far as struggling in Cuba, what that means, it's different than other Latin American countries because of the socialist communism, whatever you want to call it, the Castro regime. They So they have food, but when you're poor, you don't have a choice of the food. So you might be eating eggs every day for like a week, things like that. So you have what you have is what he said. And his father worked in construction, so they were lower class Cubans growing up, but his dad was into baseball. So I mean, Cuban Cubans are very passionate about baseball, period. But his dad was actually a semi-pro catcher, didn't go further and, you know, had to make ends meet. But little Jose started playing at age seven and made it to the Serie Nacional at age 16. And that sounds like a series, but that's just the name of the Cuban league. The And, and it's hard to read into it from abroad because everybody is in it. It's another sort of example of socialism. So you've got sort of young 16-year-olds, you've got past prime experienced guys and everything in between. So somebody who I read, oh shit, I wish I had written it down, said that looking at Cuban stats is like trying to read tea leaves. Because when you're trying to scout guys from Cuba and you're looking at their data, it doesn't quite match. So you know, for example, in so he he started at age sixteen in two thousand seven. Was shoot? Did I do the math right? That was his first year in, and he was batting three thirty seven. But in two thousand ten, his average was four fifty three, which seems like <laughs> superhuman. So there, you know, that there's got to be something uh, off there. And got thirty three home runs in sixty seven games. But his work ethic is amazing. And actually, both the guys I'm going to talk about today are those guys who go early, stay late to just keep that practice up. And he had this routine of hitting 150 balls off the tee every day before practice. 
Before practice. Yikes. So before starting. So yeah, I did get that math wrong. So that 07 year, that was a few years in. He went in in 03. So he was there from 03 to 13. And his average over that time was 342. So the way that you get seen if you're a Cuban player is to be on the national team. So he made it to the national team and to do sort of international tournaments. And that's when he was picked up. And it's kind of the classic Cuban defection story that we have gone over and over. Abreu is a little bit different in that he didn't always talk about wanting to defect. And actually, it was kind of surprising when he finally did. And it was apparently on his first try, as opposed to people like Puig, who I think tried like five times or something like that. But in 2013, after this banner year when he was playing, and he played in the World Baseball Classic that year. And I think that's what really got him noticed. And people talk to you, you know, in the hotel and scouts are going to approach them. And he took off in a boat, just him and his family in a boat to Haiti. So that must have been a a horrifying trip. He couldn't tell anybody. He was divorced at that time and had a two-year-old son and couldn't tell them and left them behind. So he left with his parents, his fiance, his brother, and his sister. So they get to Haiti. And, you know... That the, the details here are very foggy because nobody wants to talk about it because there are definitely smugglers involved somehow. You know, people give advice to players about how to do this system. And the only way that it can keep working is if nobody talks about specifics. And one guy who he was involved with was actually somebody who was accused by Leonis Martin. And go back to, shoot, I thought I wrote down what episode we talked about Leonis Martin. I had picked him as a baseball boyfriend a while ago, and he was actually held hostage in Mexico by his smuggler. And and that guy might have had uh, connections to Abreu, but not totally clear. Oh, episode 68. I did. Yeah. So go way back. Find details about Leonis Martin. That was a fascinating story. So uh, Abreu came after Puig, after Cespedes, after Leonis Martin, and made it right away. You know, so you go into Haiti, you go over to the Dominican Republic, three months there, and he made it here. His family, however, because of whatever immigration issues, were stuck in the DR for like another year. He came with his fiance, but the rest of the folks were stuck back. And he had, you know, just an amazing breakout rookie year with the White Sox. He got scouted by them in the DR, signed 2014. After a week, he had back-to-back home runs and in two innings against the Rockies. So that sounds pretty impressive. You know, a week in the big leagues, back-to-back home runs. He did it two days later against Cleveland. So that's crazy. 36 home runs that season, 317 average. His slugging 581 was major league leading, and he got rookie of the year and was fourth in votes of MVP. And so actually blew away the expectations. I mean, they knew he was good, but again, the tea leaves. So not totally clear. The problem with his family being stuck in the Dominican Republic, though, is that they didn't see this, and he was very attached to his parents. So actually, there's a really heart-wrenching story about him crying after his walk-off home run against Tampa because he wanted his dad to be there to see it. Oh, no. So, yeah. So the poor guy, he did have a slump after the All-Star. So second half was not nearly as good as first. But, you know, he had been through a lot. And he had been just playing in Cuba also before taking a boat to Haiti. And, you know, just all of that. How can you keep up sort of athletic prowess for, for too long? But he's held it pretty high since then. He's been, you know, hovering around 300 most years. All-star three times, 14, 18, and 19. Silver slugger three times, 14, 18, and 20. And then 20 is, again, he goes back up to the same average he had his first year, his rookie year, and he gets the MVP this time. So my my other connection to him is he was described as being goofy but never abrasive. And I can identify with that. I hope that I am equally goofy but never abrasive. It's really how I describe you to people all the That's time. Right. You know, puppy mouth. She's goofy but never, never abrasive. I, I'm going to put that in as my new tagline. I think I have to change my my Twitter bio. So his so meanwhile though he has a he had a two year old kid that he left also back in Cuba. A lot of rough feelings with that. There was actually a Goodwill baseball tour to Cuba where he got to see him in 2015. 
And so this is like two years since he had seen him. And it was full three years before the kid got to come to to the U.S. to visit him for a month in Miami in 2016. And I didn't do more research to find out if they've been in touch since then. But I would hope so. This, the, I mean, the situation still sucks with travel to Cuba. He still can't go because he left. And, you know, the fucking th- I, I'm just hoping that the Biden administration undoes the damage that Trump did with canceling that agreement with Cuban players because it's the best thing for everybody. I mean, these guys are risking their lives. Smugglers are making a bunch of money. Come on, let Cuban players be scouted like anybody else. That's what we need to do this year. He lives in Miami in the off season because the climate's like Cuba and he's not too keen on the Chicago weather, but you you not. <laughs> and here's the part where may- maybe we're not totally alike. He, uh, he works out to Christian disco music. I, I think I Wait. need to give it a listen. I knew yeah. there was Christian metal, but I didn't realize there was Christian disco. I'm guessing it's even in Spanish. So I need to find his his soundtrack. As an English teacher, though, I'm fascinated that he learned English from watching animal documentaries because the the speaking is so slow and clear. You know, think about like whatever it was, Wild Kingdom, Magic Kingdom, what, some kingdom. It was Wild Kingdom. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Right. So it's like that slow, you know, yeah. So I can see that. I'm going to use that maybe with my students. I think that's a good plan. All the best nature documentaries are actually British. So does he actually speak mm. English with a British accent? That would, I have to listen to him. I don't <laughs> listen to any clips. I need to check that out. The other baseball boyfriendy thing though, is his first year, there was one of those socks fest things. And he, there was a kid with with um, disabilities, mental disabilities, like in the in the background, and he ran over to him and like started, you know, taking pictures and just being super friendly. And it turns out it reminded of him of a kid that he had helped back in Cienfuegos and had sort of adopted. And like this kid, he found you know hanging out at the at the baseball park, but would bring him home and invite him over for dinner, stuff like that. And just remembering that kid that I guess he had also left back in Cuba with his family and repeating that. And the the folks in the White Sox noticed that and hooked him up and got him to like actually work with organizations helping kids with disabilities like that. And on this Valentine's Day, I'll just end with his quote that said, what's important is that I am my mom's MVP every single day. And that's what matters for me. Cheers. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, cheers to that. As as a mom, I appreciate having a child who's my MVP every day. I'm sure yeah. you do as well. <laughs> totally. Okay. So my guys, the, the through line is switch hitting, super hardworking guys from California with really strong family ties. Huh? Huh? Uh, Pretty that's good. Nice. Right? Okay. Picture, if you will, little Andrew Vaughn in Santa Rosa at age six playing a little league game with bigger kids, older kids, right? His dad's a coach. He has already hit, the six-year-old has already hit multiple home runs against this other team and then comes to bat again. So he says, his dad says, I'll go ahead and turn around, hit the other way, right? I mean, you know, it's sort of like mercy rule, like you don't want to overdo it, you know, so go ahead and, and, and bat left. He homered again. Wow. He's six. Oh, he was so six. Cute. And apparently he was just like joyful. Like, you know, he, he was never neener, neener. Check me out. He was just like, I love this game. Yay. Smiling, happy. I just want to play baseball. And that's one of the things that we look for in baseball boyfriends that we want the players who really love playing the game and you can see the joy in their play. Everything I've read about Andrew Vaughn, who is 22 and is probably going to be the designated hitter for the White Sox, is that he's very kind and humble and hardworking and generous. And his mom in this interview from a couple of years ago, when he won some awards, which I'll mention later, I said, he knows if his head gets too big, his mother will knock him back down. (laughs) It's true (laughs) because I always want him to remember where he came from, right? So he says he gets his talent from his dad, you know, it was his coach and all of that, but he gets his strength from his mom. His mom has Graves disease, which is a thyroid disease. And she had surgery when he and his sister were very young, but they witnessed her leaving their home in an ambulance multiple times because of complications. And that really gave him perspective. He said, you know what, if I get beat up in a game, if I, you know, I have no excuse. I just have to have to get through it. I mean, if my mom can do what she's done, 
Uh, I can do this. So, so he learned his strength and the perseverance from her. In 2017, remember I said he's from Santa Rosa. Remember those wildfires in 2017? His grandparents' oh. home burned to the ground as part of those fires. And then Andrew participated. He was at, um, at Cal Berkeley then. He was a sophomore. He participated with a bunch of Cal players and alumni and also some professional players, including a recent boyfriend of mine, Marcus Simeon came back and they they did this big fundraiser baseball clinic full day they did autographs they worked with kids and all the stuff they raised sixty five thousand dollars for people hurt by this fire as well as um getting a bunch of new equipment and everything in place for those kids so according to his mom that's how he grew up i mean that of course he would do that it wasn't just because it was his grandparents house it was because that's just what you do you give back to your community you're a good guy you're generous you're kind so he committed to Berkeley after his freshman year and then was drafted in um, the first round by the White Sox in 2019. He was the third pick of the draft, number three, and he was the highest drafted player ever from UC Berkeley. When he got to the White Sox, he wanted number 99 for a famous guy who shares his last name, Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. Oh my gosh. I was thinking sing 99. It. Sing it. Sing wow it. Wow thing. I can't but sing about it. You <laughs> yeah, made you my, make heart my heart sing. See, and I that, made it be about Valentine's Day. It totally, you did the theme. That works. That totally works. So we got 94 instead of 99, but I have a trivia question for you. Who is the only White Sox player ever to wear number 99? We mentioned him every single week. What? Every single week? How, who do we mention every single week? Manny Ramirez. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, how did I not know that? I'm totally embarrassed. Well, That's you know, awful. we didn't care about him when he was a White Sox. I cared about right. him when he was with Cleveland. You cared about him when he was a Red Sox. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, so when he played for Berkeley in 2018, he lit up the world. He was the Pac-21 Player of the Year. He was the winner of the Golden Spikes Award, which is like the Heisman Trophy for college baseball players. In 2019, he was a finalist for that award again. No one's ever won it twice. He was a runner-up to Adley Rutschman, who, stay tuned, is going to be my Orioles boyfriend next year. Huh. Next okay. year. Gotcha. All right. All right. So he had this record-breaking year in all the hitting stats in 2018. And then in 2019, his hitting stats went down because everybody pitched around him. So he set records for walks instead. <laughs> <laughs> And then in 2019, he played for USA Baseball. So as you may know, my brother-in-law, big White Sox fan. So I was texting him saying, I'm trying to choose between Nick Madrigal and Andrew Vaughn as my, my White Sox boyfriend. And I'm looking through The Athletic, and I swear to God, there is an article called Choosing Between Nick Madrigal and Andrew Vaughn. Are you serious? I'm serious. That is the It's one that's of those things. That's the first question. So that's how they titled the article. And they agreed that Andrew Vaughn is the guy to pick because they anticipate several all-star hitting seasons ahead for him. He is currently Baseball America's number one prospect in the White Sox system. He has never played above single A. He moved through all of the um, like the rookie leagues and low A and high A really quickly in 2019, but spent all last season at the alternate site. So he's only played like 65 games. Wow. But they have him pegged as designated hit hitter for this year. Maybe a little first base if um, Abreu, Abreu needs a little bit of time off or something, but probably designated hitter because he's all about the bat. All along, everyone who's evaluated him said his bat is ready for the next level from wherever he is. So when they draft him, said he's already his bat is already ready for major league pitching. He says, "I'll play anywhere." You know, it's probably going to be DH, but you know he can play first. He can, you know, he can play third if he has to, but I, you know, he's not going to have to, but he's just wants to be on that field because he loves the game so much. And my, the, the really compelling reason for picking him is that, um, Lou Giolito called him a pain in my ass from <laughs> summer camp. You know, there's their, their second version of spring training last year because he kept hitting off of him and he didn't like that very much. Oh, that's so cool, though. I mean, that's a great sign if he's hitting off a Giolito. Wow. So, so hopefully he'll he'll start. There's really no reason to keep him down uh, in in the minors anymore. But you never know. There's always a little bit of a little bit of fun and games there. But I'm watching out for Andrew Vaughn. Excellent. Yep. That name. That name. <laughs> that's so funny. 
All right. So we're going over to the National League with the Cardinals, and I'm picking one of their lesser known players, Nolan Arenado, third base, 29 years old, just came over with, and so of course, yes, sarcasm. This deal, like every time I read read about it, the, the name that I saw the most was that it was a heist. That it was like <laughs> beyond like a sweet deal. It was the heist of the season to get Nolan Arenado and you get paid to get him and $50 million in exchange for four prospects and a pitcher, uh, like a prospecty kind of Just pitcher. a grab bag. Yeah, and none of them were top prospects. I don't understand. I know that uh, Colorado people are are not happy. Um, I think that St. Louis people are very happy. He's going to be there for a while. I mean, he has six years left on his contract. He had, and and we had talked about this actually. It was the same episode where we talked about Leonis Martin that you talked about the Arenado trade when he signed this huge. Deal eight years, two hundred and sixty million dollars in two thousand nineteen, and at the time, he wanted a long deal. He wanted that kind of stability, and I don't have a lot of details about him because he is a private guy. He's there's not a lot of flash around him. He doesn't do a lot of the social media stuff, and at the time, he just wanted to be comfortable. He didn't want his mom to have to work anymore. He had this nice, sweet deal, and it was a team that he felt good with. And it's soon after that weird thing started happening, and there's not a lot about it because he wasn't going to talk about it too much publicly, although there were kind of the the one-liners and the you know snippets here and there that people are like, oh, something's wrong, where he was talking about feeling disrespected. He it seems like he wanted to win and the Rockies took a dive in 2019 and didn't seem to be doing anything to be coming out of that dive. And I think he was pretty disappointed with that, although he wasn't going to say that to the press, but he did feel like he was disrespected. And there was a lot of behind-the-scenes talk about trading him that I think he didn't feel like he was in on. But he said that once I heard it was done, I was thrilled. Happy to be in the Cardinals. He said he's admired this organization from afar. And he was the one who had to waive the no trade clause to allow the trade to go through. He he had been on the Rockies forever. He was the second round draft pick in 09 right out of high school. And he was actually, I had no clue, drafted pretty much shortstop and catcher. And they were thinking catcher because he was not in superb shape. He lost 20 pounds in the first offseason to convince them to put him in the infield because that's where he wanted to be. And it seemed to have done him well because he has that sexy defense. He got the gold glove every year of his eight years with the Rockies. Um, There's, of course, questions about hitting statistics when you're playing for the Rockies because of course fields and the balls flying out. But he did get silver slugger four years, 15 to 18, all-star from 15 to 19. And, you know, basically just saying that he wanted to play for a winning team. Um, So the Cuban connection, his dad's Cuban, his mom's Puerto Rican, and he had not been to Cuba until I think as a sort of a young adult, they took a family trip there that he said was a vacation turned reality check. So sort of understanding, you know, why his dad left. He when he was in high school, he played with Matt Chapman, your A's guy. And there was kind of like a competition between the two of them because they were both playing shortstop, which is kind of funny. And Chapman was backup shortstop to to Arenado. They had played like together all through Little League, travel ball, and they both got gold glove the same years. But actually, Chapman kind of bested him, well, because he got platinum, both 18 and 19. Although I think that Arenado had gold glove more years overall. But uh, to have two guys of that level from the ha- same high school, like that coach must be just sort of flying. And I think that the important thing is that this sort of demeanor about him, this, you know, sort of playing by the wor- rules, hard work ethic, he's very Cardinals. It seems like it's a good fit for him. And he said, I plan on sticking around. So 
I'm hoping my pick of Nolan Arenado turns out pretty good this year. He's got a kind of a good track record. You know, I know it's a little risky. It's a little risky, but I, I I like when you when you take risks and you kind of put yourself out there like that. Here we go. Okay. Oh my god, are you going to start picking Mike Trout now? Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I, that that is kind of it is like the same sort of vibe. We, had, but... we danced around uh, Arenado for a while, and yeah. yeah. All right, so Potty Mouth kind of fixed me up with uh, with Tommy Edmond with the Cardinals. Uh, she sent me a thing. Read this article. I think you might like this guy. And I do. And I did. And so I'm picking Tommy Edmond, who is listed as shortstop, which I need on my fantasy team. But that's subject to change pretty quickly. He's 25. He's from San Diego. So he's from Southern California, as opposed to the Santa Rosa guy I talked about just a few minutes ago. So Tommy was drafted in the sixth round by the Cardinals in 2016. He was not drafted out of high school. Mo- you know, most guys you hear about, they, they get that like high school draft and then they, they say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then put it off later. He was not in the picture. He was a little small in high school for a ball player. He was 5'8". Now he's like 5'10". So his story is the kind of like the unexpected good guy. He doesn't look like he'd be as good as he is. So that's it's always taken him a little bit more time and a little bit more perseverance to get noticed and to be able to prove himself. One of the things we say about our boyfriends is it's that guy you want to have a beer with. In the case of Tommy Edmund, I want to go to family dinner at his house <laughs> because I want to tell you about this baseball family they have going. I love this family. Okay, so his dad is a math teacher and the baseball coach at La Jolla Country Day School High School. And I used to work in La Jolla. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Oh. So I'm just saying I've got that connection too. Nice. Right? So, so Tommy went there for high school where he was a National Merit Scholar. So smart one, which also t- ticks off some boxes for the No Crying in Baseball list. His dad was coach of the year for the, for the state of California in 2019. So he's a good coach. He's a good math teacher. And his mom grew up a Dodgers fan, like a way, like all in Dodgers fan, who was sort of like the uh, team photographer at at La Jolla at, at the high school. So baseball family to begin with. So how could they not raise kids who were into the game? So brother Johnny learned how to keep score from grandpa. So he at, at age eight, <laughs> so at age eight was in the dugout for this high school team that his dad was coaching scoring to be as the official scorer for the high school team. And then when he attended the high school, he managed the team, right? He was another one of these that he's followed in the whole math and baseball guy. He loved the book Moneyball. He was very good at math and very interested in math. So he, after interning with the Padres, right, for a while, he kind of, he then went off to work, you know, as an engineer, as a computer engineer, and then ended up with the twins. He works now with the twins as a data quality engineer, which is somebody who crunches numbers for the analytics department, right? Little sister Elise, who was a high school champ in volleyball. Somebody had to manage the the baseball team after Johnny graduated. So Elise took over as the oh, manager of the baseball team, right? So she then went to school as a computer systems student and is now a systems engineer with the Cardinals. So she and Tommy oh. work at the same team. So they so she works basically in front office analytics department for the Cardinals. That right? is so cool. And Tommy said, if I wasn't a player, that's the kind of job I'd want to. I'd want to work wow. in the front office because he's all over the analytics. Okay. So as I said, he was a little bit smaller. So, and with his dad as the coach, his dad was very conscious of not, you know, giving any special privileges to his kid. He made his kid prove it kind of more than necessary. Like the assistant coaches were like, are you kidding me? He's already better than all these other shortstops and he's the best defensive guy we've got out there. He's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But he had to prove himself at every level, right? When it was time to get recruited by colleges, he really wanted to go to Stanford. He always wanted to go to Stanford, right? But San Diego State was calling him. Other schools were calling him. So he would call Stanford every single time he got an offer from a different school and say, are you still interested? Because, you know, I really want to go with you. But if not, I got these other guys. He ended up going to Stanford. And he started as shortstop his freshman year and played like 140 consecutive games for them. 
Wow. One one of the things that everyone complimented him about was his baseball IQ because his family was so into baseball, they talked baseball all the time. They analyzed what they saw, right? Whether it was what was happening at, at you know, at the high school game or a major league game or whatever, they were very into all of the details. So he's really very good with the details, with the analysis, with learning from what he sees and trying to, to be better because of it. So smart kid that he was, his teammates kept asking them to tutor them. <laughs> That's great. One, one of his teammates said, I asked him for help in classes I should not have been taking. <laughs> <laughs> so after his first pro season, he went back to Stanford and he finished his degree, which is unusual at this young age. A lot of people go back later. So he's right. got a degree in mathematics and computational science, which means what? It means he could work in an analytics department in a front office of a major league baseball team later when he's done lighting it up on the ball field. I'm sure he will. That's I, awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think he keeps offering his services now. Like, no, no just, just go, right. go, go play on the field. <laughs> so he debuted um, in June of 2019. And a few months later, the cards were in the playoffs, you may remember. So he ended up as the starting third baseman. He sort of pushed, you know, Matt Carpenter out of the starting job just a few months after he came up, right? He was that good. And since he came up in June of 2019, he led the Cardinals in hits, triples, and stolen bases. Wow. Right. Oh, so wow. he got us started with a splash. He's a switch hitter, another switch hitter. And he had been a utility player. And he was filling in for wherever he needed to fill in. This past season, Paul DeYoung was out with COVID or at least a positive COVID test. So he played shortstop. He covered third base when Matt Carpenter was, you know, to have a day off or whatever that was. And now with Colton Wong gone, they're looking at him as maybe starting second base, which yep. I totally get. But I really need a shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to leave you with one fun fact about Tommy Edmund in that he originally, remember, he started 2019 not even being, you know, called up to the major leagues. So he and his fiance had planned an October 5th wedding. And then he got called up and then he was starting in the playoffs. So they ended up getting married six weeks later at the end of November instead. That is so sweet. I bet that's a very Valentine's-y kind of ending. Right. I'm here for you. That's sweet. Yeah. I'm also almost out of beer. Can you send uh, Mr. Potty Mouth over with a refill? For, that's probably too hard. Uh, that's, I, yeah. It's I a, really miss not being in the same room with you. <laughs> I know. There was definite advantages. But soon, soon. I'm going to have superpowers really soon. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So uh, keeping on the Valentine's theme, I can talk big sexy. Isn't it always a good day when you can talk big sexy? It We're going to sure go into what's, what's big sexy doing? I miss him so much. He's going to play in Mexico. And I actually said reported this exact same story probably about the same time last year. But Mexico didn't play last year because the the minors didn't play. And somehow, which I still don't totally get, even after reading a bunch about it today, the Liga Mexicana de Baseball is considered like a triple A league, even though it's not connected to a team. So when the minors canceled last year, Mexico canceled too, but looks like he's going to be playing for the Acereros de Monclova. And that starts not till May 20th. So it does seem very like minor league, like for, for a schedule, but I just want to kind of see him pitch a little bit. So that's that's this end of the world. On the other end of the world, the Australian Baseball League is just tying up. They just finished a little earlier than planned. Actually, they should have finished today, but they finished on Friday because of another COVID bout screwing things up. And I don't totally understand how this happened because a couple of games were canceled, but the Melbourne Aces were crowned champions despite some games not actually being played. But we talked about weird shit last week with that, with the Sydney Blue Sox having way fewer games than everybody else, and still they went on to the wild card. I don't know. They beat the Perth Heat, which was the game, the team that I had picked after I'd given up on the Blue Sox and their weird stuff with Manny Ramirez. Uh, and See? The Perth, yeah. <laughs> the one game that I paid attention to, though, was the fun one with the Perth Heat beating the Adelaide Giants 26-6. to Ouch. And it was early, too. It was just one of those, like, going around the bases. But the two women's games that I talked about last week, it turns out that they were showcase games, and they happened this past week for a women's league that is actually forming theoretically this year. They look very scrappy. They're taking lots of donations online. We'll post the link. But 
I don't know, that's better than we're doing, you know, an actual named by Australia professional women's league with four teams, something to keep our eye on. So I have no clue when that's starting. I'm going to keep looking into that. But CPBL is starting and that is so exciting. The spring training is underway in Taiwan. The official matchups for spring training start in a couple of weeks on the 26th of February. And I haven't done it yet, but the best way to make sure that you can see everything is to buy CPBL TV, which is 45 bucks for the season. And if you're really into breakfast baseball, it sounds like it's worth it because it also gives you access to lots of old content. And the sooner you do it, the better because you can get all this spring training stuff. And our friend at Rob at CPBL Stats has an amazing guide on exactly how to do it with English help because the site is not in English. So he's oh. got really good like step-by-step. This is where you click. And I, I got to do it one of these days. March 13th is their start day. A couple other leagues starting in Japan starts March 26th the Nippon Professional Baseball League and PB and KBO in Korea is starting April 3rd. So there is so much baseball and MLB, yes, is also starting fairly soon, but there's, there's just so much more fun stuff to watch. So branch out, look elsewhere. Be a citizen of the world, baseball citizen right. of the world. Sounds good. Well, I have to be a baseball citizen of the Midwest this week because next week we're talking about Cleveland and Cubs boyfriends. Wow. It's that's so funny that we had White Sox and Cardinals and then Cleveland and Cubs. That's right? weird. Mm-hmm. Right. And so again, I don't know where I'm gonna go with this. So it's gonna surprise all of us. However, how I come down next week on my Cleveland and Cubs boyfriends. I just don't know what's gonna happen there. I wonder who we have left. <laughs> that's well, well, it's really interesting because teams yeah. Some teams have been sort of stable, and so they haven't changed much, and so we've used up a lot of the guys, and others have (laughs) traded for guys that we have named earlier as boyfriends, and so they're kind of full of our guys. So prospects are our friends, for sure, and that's actually kind of fun because we get a chance to learn about guys we don't know about and tell you about guys you might not know about either. So that's always a good time for us. Do you have anything else going on this week other than recovering from your vaccine? No, not that I can think of. I don't know. I don't have anything exciting to say at this point besides, uh, yeah, watch, I'll look for baseball. Excellent. That sounds good to me. Hey, if um, you have already celebrated your Valentine's Day, I hope it was lovely. No matter what your romantic situation, I hope you had a lovely day. Um, and for the coming week, if you've got ice storms coming or snowstorms coming like we do, stay inside and stay warm. And it's a good time to listen to some baseball podcasts and let your friends know about us if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. And after you've done that, find us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. That is most excellent. So until we talk again, please wash your hands, wear your masks, stay inside, get your vaccine as soon as you can get your vaccine. Fight the man. Until next time, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. We're done with the funny. No more funny. No more funny. No more funny.